Happy Mother's Day to you. That's better. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I know you're watching at home. I bet you're probably skipping out on your church service to watch our church service because you love me more than anyone else in the whole world, especially my other four brothers. I know that you love me the best. They know it, which is why they shipped me off from New York here to live here forever. Um, It's kind of like a Joseph story where the brothers get jealous at the dream of their little brother and they put him in a hole and they give him to a bunch of people called the Midianites. You are the Midianites this morning. And so I love you, mom. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to you. And um, I didn't send flowers. I'm sorry. But Um, one of the brothers will probably dig up the neighbor's flowers and deliver them to you this morning. Um, I am excited to be with you this morning, and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And men, I have to say, this year I set the bar a little bit high for you um, on the gift-giving thing. Um, I bought, uh, well, we bought a a pony for my wife uh, for Mother's Day. So... Uh, No pressure, men, but uh, I think there's a deal at Tim Hortons uh, today where you can uh, maybe try to match that. But yeah, we got a pony yesterday uh, named Marshmallow, and I know, I wish I had a picture of our child, um, Marshmallow, uh, newly adopted child, not the other five kids that we, you know, have naturally. The adopted pony is our favorite today, and um, so she's really cute. And I said this morning that she looks a little like Tina Turner, uh, pre-service. And just like the service, everybody over 40 laughed. Um, Those under 40 have no idea who Tina Turner is. Anyway, I digress. We'll have a picture soon. She's adorable. And um, happy Mother's Day. It's for the kids, actually. We just... Well, today I want to share with you, and before I open God's word, why don't we bow in prayer. Father, I thank you that you have called us, and you have chosen us, and you continue to invest in shaping us. I thank you, Father, that you are committed to this relationship with us. You're invested in it, and you desperately want to see us fulfill the purpose that you have for us, and you never stop working on us. I thank you that we are chosen, and I thank you that you keep working on us our whole lives. As we open your word, Father, we yield to your hand. We yield to your voice. We yield to the work that you're going to do in us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our theme verse this year at Northside is Ephesians 2.22. In him, you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, by the Spirit. And so we're going to continue this morning as we look at what does it mean to be built up into Christ? What does it mean to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? And what does it mean to be spiritual stones that God chooses and then continues to work on? Our sermon title this morning is that we are chosen and chiseled by God. Now, not buff chiseled in the gym, although he could do that supernaturally, I guess, but we're talking about how God works on us and shapes us and forms us in our life. 
We are chosen and chiseled by God. Turn with me to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It'll also be on the screen if you're a heathen. Um, so, I know, today, this morning is going to be no, no holds barred. If that's the saying, I hope it is. If not, we're going we're gonna to go for it. But I'm just kidding. I'm preaching from a screen, so no pressure. I don't want anyone to walk out because they feel self-conscious that you don't have your Bible. But our main point this morning is that God sees the church as living stones, as living stones who are chosen and chiseled for his good purpose. First Peter chapter two says this, as you come to him, as you come to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So Peter is saying is, is as you come to Jesus, a stone that was rejected, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you too are living stones. You know, I never read this verse like this before, but when I read this verse this time, I saw that Jesus is the most beautiful stone. Jesus is a perfect stone. Jesus is the miracle working stone. Jesus is the cornerstone that we sang about. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church, the cornerstone for my life, the savior of the universe, the king of kings, Lord of lords, the lion of Judah, all of this stuff. Jesus is perfect. And Jesus was rejected. Why am I so worried about being rejected by men? When Jesus, the perfect savior of the world, was rejected by men. You see, God calls things that are rejected precious. God calls people who feel rejected, chosen, precious. We are living stones. This stone you drove past in the parking lot probably a hundred times. You never paid any attention to it. You just drove right by it. It's kind of dirty and disgusting and you wouldn't think anything. And this is the way that God finds us. God finds us as a stone that just sort of sits in life. We just sort of wander through life. Some people might reject us in life. Not everybody likes our personality. Not everybody connects with our jokes. Not all of our children laugh at all of our jokes. Congratulations. But this is how God finds us, as he finds us as a stone that some have rejected. And I wanted to say this morning, first of all, if you feel rejected in life, 
If you feel like people don't accept you as a weak person, if you feel like you've made mistakes, if you feel like a mother that didn't always do the best things for your kids, if you feel distant from your kids as a mom, or you feel like you didn't measure up, or you feel rejected, Jesus himself was rejected. And yet God sees him and he sees you as chosen, precious, beautiful, purposeful. And Peter writes this, that we too are living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The word holy is the word set apart. It means that God finds us regular, usual, rejected, and he says, you know what? I'm going to take this stone, and this is precious to me. And I'm going to set it aside with all my other precious stones because Jesus doesn't walk by anyone who is willing he doesn't walk by anyone that is willing. He chooses all and calls them precious. Have you made a few mistakes in your life? Have you wandered from God? Do you have failures? Do you have weakness? Do you have sin? Do you have things in your life that, that don't belong there? Well, God still calls you chosen and he calls you precious. I can't think of a more sacrificial role in life than being a mother. I mean, not only do mothers have to care for their kids as a mother, but they often have to care for their husbands as a mother, too. Thank you. Front row here. Totally agree. But this morning, first, I want to tell you that you are chosen and you are precious and the sacrifices that you've made are for him. There are some things in our life that people don't always appreciate. I remember I worked for a developer one time in my past life as a construction manager, and he didn't like my personality very much. I know, he said I was too nice. He said I was too friendly. He said I was too kind. He said that you're too nice to the trades. They're making too much money. He's like in team meetings, I, you know, you should be yelling more. You should be getting angry more. You should be pushing these trades a little bit more. You're just too nice, Joel. You're too soft. Everybody hated him, but apparently I was the problem. But God put kindness in me. And so what one man might reject, one woman might reject, one line of work might reject, one pattern I've been living according to might reject. God calls precious, chosen, a gifting that he put inside of us. And this morning, I want to take a moment and bless some rejected things in your life. Things that people have said to you, about you, lies, 
brokenness, broken relationships. You'll never be this and that. You're not smart enough to be this and that. You're not good looking enough to be this and that. Whatever it might be, whatever comes up in your mind right now that you feel rejected in, that you feel less than in, that you feel weak in, that you feel like somebody told you such and such. God says you're chosen and precious and a living stone that he has called holy, set apart. Now on the other side, there are some things in our life that we call precious that God wants to work on. There are some things in our life that God wants to chisel out of us. And our obedience to his chiseling shapes us into living stones. There are some things in our life that we have chosen to live with that God wants to get rid of. There are some areas in our life that God wants to work on. Now, he chooses us right where we're at. He chooses us right where we're at, and he says, Joel, you are this stone. I'm just going to spin it around here. Joel, you are this stone. But then he says, but Joel, I have committed to working on you. Don't worry, Joel. This is how I find you. And God says he's committed to me. And then he begins the work. The work on me. You see, God found me when I was 20 years old and I was rough around the edges and I came to him broken and he said, Joel, you are chosen. I save you. I've called you even before you were formed in your mother's womb. I have called you and I have set you apart to be for my purpose, Joel. And I came to God like this and I said, thank you, Jesus, for accepting me just the way I am. And then he took me and he, and he began he began removing areas of my life that just didn't belong. And God began shaping me and chiseling me. And he said, I'm committed to you, Joel. I don't like this, I don't like this attitude you have, Joel. I don't like the way that you react there, Joel. Just why do you do it? I can actually smell the smoke coming off the stone. As God begins, oh, there's another one. Got that one right in the eye. <laughs> and, and God says, I've chosen you, but I'm going to chisel you. I've chosen you, but Joel, are you willing? Are you willing to be chiseled? See, I don't do the shaping. I don't shape myself. God shapes me. But I submit and I say, God, today, it's May 8th, 2022, and God, would you, would you shape me? 
See, I have to submit to being chiseled. He doesn't just come in whacking. He, he comes to us. He waits for us. We come to him. We say, God, go ahead, chisel me. And he, he goes, yeah. Our whole life. Our whole life, he is chiseling us. Our whole life, he is working on us. Our whole life, he is shaping us. He never stops chipping and shaping and forming and making and breaking things that he doesn't want in our lives. And what I was reminded was is a story from 1500. A man named Michael Angelo. Michelangelo was an artist, was a sculptor, and probably my favorite statue in the whole world is the statue of David, and it's in Florence, and Michelangelo chiseled away and chipped away at this 17-foot tall marble block that was originally from Carrera, Italy. Now, interestingly enough, this stone was delivered to Florence and Michelangelo worked on it for three years. But I don't know if you knew this, but before Michelangelo worked on this particular block of stone, it was actually rejected. Fifty years earlier, Donatello, another ninja turtle, and also happened to be an artist as well. Donatello rejected that same stone. He said, there's a flaw in it. And I can't work with it. Uh, uh. That's what he did. Gave me some pizza. I'm Italian. I can make fun of myself. But 50 years before, the stone was rejected. Michelangelo saw David in the stone. And when Michelangelo began shaping it, he was getting rid of the areas that were not David. And he began forming it and shaping it and cutting away and hammering for three years until he was left with a 17-foot-tall, single piece of marble statue of David. It's a beautiful work of art. It's amazing to stand there and look at this statue of David. And you see, when we come to God, he does the same thing. We think we're just this stone, but God sees within us a specific purpose, a specific identity, and he begins chipping away everything that doesn't belong to who he has called us to be. Because inside of me, he sees the perfected version of Joel. He sees the one that he has called for a specific purpose. He sees the one that he has set aside to be a holy priesthood. And he is constantly working on my life to constantly perfect me throughout my life. And I might see myself as just a block of stone, but inside God sees the one he has called.
And inside each one of us, there is a specific person that God is chiseling away at. Now, not only are we chiseled for personal development, but we are chiseled to be fitted together as well. We are fitted together in relationships. Best relationship I am in in my life is with my wife. And it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, that Adam needed a suitable helper. And the Lord said to him, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And in the same way, Eve was created to fit Adam. Helper does not mean less than. Helper does not mean weaker than. Helper does not mean submissive one. In this context, helper means one that makes up what is lacking in another. Helper means partners to accomplish a task. Adam was as much Eve's helper as Eve was Adam's helper. And Sonia is my helpmate. Now, when I enter the greenhouse, which is Sonia's realm of authority, skill, responsibility, when I enter the greenhouse, I submit to her. When I go in and I go to tack up a horse and I go to ride a horse, I submit to Sonia. When I'm in a difficult situation with our children where I don't have the answers and I'm, I'm just trying to fix something that apparently we're just supposed to listen? What? Is that a thing? With teenage daughters? You're supposed to just listen? No, we got to fix it. Come on. I'll be the hammer. I'll be the chisel. Let's go. No, apparently we're supposed to listen. Well, in these areas that Sonia is more gifted than me, who's going to take the lead on it? Her. But I'm a better builder than Sonia. Not that she can't build. Don't get me wrong. She can. I'm sure. But she doesn't. I do. I build the structure, and she puts the pony in it. You see, it's mutual help mate. It's mutual submission. Because God has called us to be fitted together, shaped together, to be a puzzle together. And he is chiseling away at me, and he's chiseling away at Sonia. Recently, we had our fireplace done by a wonderful man named Cornelius. And he used these stones to build our fireplace. Not these exact ones. I didn't rip it off the wall to bring it here, but it was this type. And one day I was watching him, and he had a different hammer than this, a mason's hammer, and he was, he was just sort of...
He's just hammering, looking. And he's like, yeah, that's good. And he put it up. And he took the next one. And he, he looked at it and he... He just began chiseling, 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 chiseling until he eventually would fit them together. And eventually, after a few days of this hard work and this hard shaping and this hard chiseling, he put it all together and we stood back and it was many different stones, all different shapes that each have been chiseled together to fit and I began to think that not only am I chiseled for personal development, and, and that's wonderful and that's beautiful, but that's not the only reason. I'm also chiseled to fit together in community. I'm chiseled to fit together with my wife. We're chiseled together as a church community that we might be fitted together. And as I submit to the one who chisels and you submit to the one who chisels, we just fit together better. Now, if none of us are going to God for chiseling, if none of us are going to God for shaping, how good do you think we're going to fit together? We're not going to fit together very well. We're going to kind of be like this. But as we all submit to the one who shapes us, he takes edges off that shouldn't be there so that we can all fit together as a community. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. And I know we're backing up a little bit here, but it just fits. Fits. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so as chosen stones that become chiseled stones, God begins to fit us together and we all become a dwelling place, a building, a spiritual temple, a community that grows up into maturity. But it's actually in our diversity, it's in our differences that fit us together. A lot of people think unity is through conformity. That's not true. Unity is found in diversity. Unity is found in diversity in gifts, diversity in personalities, diversity in calling, diversity in anointing. Diversity of shapes and sizes is what you will find in any puzzle. Diversity in the church is what's needed for unity, that we would celebrate our diversity, that we would constantly yield to the one who is chiseling us, but we would find that diversity and come together in diversity and find unity. We are not all meant to be the same shape, the same type of Christian, the same type of gifting, the same type of anointing. We're not all the same shape, but we are fitted together. Fitted 
together. Husband and wife fitted together. It's why on any sports team, in any army, in any team dynamics, in any community, you will find people that are different working together, diversity, in unity, can accomplish a lot. But are we open to being chiseled? Are we open to yielding to God as he shapes us? Like Michelangelo, God sees the finished product even before we are born. David writes in Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14, For you, God, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. David is saying, God, you formed me. You shaped me. You are the mason who has chipped away at me. And and you have a purpose for me that even as I was formed in my mother's womb, I wasn't formed for nothing. I was formed for purpose. Jeremiah says the same thing. He says, before I was formed in my mother's womb, God called me. You see, before God even begins his chiseling, before he begins his work, before you accept Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, even before all of that, in fact, before the foundation of the world, God saw the specific person he has intended for you to be. And Jeremiah says this crazy thing because you would think that to be a prophet, you should go to prophet school. And to be a prophet, you should study prophecy. And to be a prophet, you should, you should do all of these things and then you will be a prophet. But with Jeremiah, it was different. You see, Jeremiah said, before I was even formed, before I was even a thought in my parents' mind on Valentine's Day, before that, You formed me and called me and set me apart to be beautiful. God will commit to you before you commit to him. He will agree to spend your whole life shaping you and forming you and changing you. Even before you were formed in your mother's womb, he set you apart. He said, you are my chosen, you are my precious. And he said, and Joel, I see within you who I've called you to be. And Joel, if you will commit to allowing me to do some work in you, the end result going to be nice. (laughs) David ends this Psalm, Psalm 139, this way. And this is a practical prayer that I've prayed hundreds of times 
It's a verse, but it's a prayer. And he finishes Psalm 139 saying this, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any way in me. It says, try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I don't pray it quite that way because this version is not the one I have in my head. But I, I, I come to God and I go, God, search me. You know me. You know me. You knew who you've called me to be. God, search me and see, is there anything offensive in me? And would you lead me in the way of everlasting? And as I submit to his process and I submit to him chiseling away at me, he begins, yeah, Joel, the way you reacted in Starbucks when they messed up your drink, for real, Joel? You left the coffee container empty at home and your wife's going to wake up to that, Joel? That doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for my daughter. She's got to wake up. She's a mom of five kids. She's got to take care of 100 animals. Would you fill the water container in the coffee machine, Joel? Okay, Lord. And my wife says, amen. Joel, you're not patient with your kids, Joel. Joel, you got to give your kids the best part of you, not the worst part of you. Joel, you're just not, you're just not reacting well. You know that lie that you told the person at McDonald's to get the free Happy Meal toy? That's, I didn't like that. I didn't do that, I swear. I just, it's what came to me. We all have our stuff. I was uh, doing a building project at my house yesterday because I don't know. Um, but I was working with someone who, who said something interesting to me and, and uh, I just, I haven't stopped um, thinking about it. And um, it just seemed like there's a lot of things in his life that he wasn't willing to compromise on. And I mean this in a, but just in simple ways. And so I began to think about compromise. Relationships will always require compromise. Relationships will always require compromise. Accomplishing God's task for your life will always involve for you to compromise. Some things that we are comfortable with should not be in our lives. Some things we have settled for should not be in our lives. They're not a part of the final statue of David in our life. These are attitudes, these are ways of reacting, these are words, these are habits, these are maybe lifestyle issues, that things we put into our body. We put potato chips in and we think we're going to get chiseled. We're not. But there are things in our life that just we need to change. We need to be willing to change, willing to compromise and to say to God, God, I, this, this feels good, but it isn't good. I want to react in anger, but that's not the right way to react. And we submit to his chiseling process in our life. And, and that actually takes compromise for you to want to change. 
And so as I pray this prayer as David, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any way in me that is offensive, that is, not, that is contrary to what you're creating in me, Lord. And would you lead me? Would you chisel me in the way of everlasting? Search me for areas that need chiseling. Search me for areas that don't belong. Search me for attitudes that don't belong. And God, would you point those out to me? And you know what he'll do? He'll point them out. <laughs> he'll point them out. We're going to begin a, a series on the five ministry gifts of Jesus in Ephesians 4. I know I said that last week, but it's really important to understand that these gifts that Jesus gave to the church, these gifts are right in front of me. You are the gift. And when Paul says that Jesus gave the gifts of apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher to the church, Paul is talking about you and me. And you might sit there and say, I don't even know what the word apostle means. I don't even know what a prophet is. I don't know what a pastor does. You guys actually work every day? True story, had that question once. You're a pastor. Do you have to go into the office? No, I just sit at home and wait for Sunday. Really? No, not really. Yes, we work. My goodness. You may not see it, but it's in there. It's inside of you. And if you say to Jesus, Jesus, what is your gift for me? Who have you called me to be? He will begin chiseling it out, but it has always been in. There is no experiences we will ever have in our life that is new to God. There is nothing we can ever learn that is actually new. Everything we learn and everything we do is simply a chiseling away of what always has been inside of you. God showed me as I was preparing this message that even the knowledge I have gained that might be new to me is not added to who I am. That even the knowledge that I have gained through others is actually inside of me that God is chiseling away to reveal to me. And you might say, I, I'm not an apostle, I'm not a prophet, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a teacher. That may be true today, but it's inside of you. God has placed it, and he will chisel away the areas around it to reveal to you who he has already called you to be. And what Donatello rejected, Michelangelo turned into one of the greatest sculptures in the history of the world. What one man, what one woman will reject can become precious. And millions and millions of people will fly all from around the world to come and see 
what one man rejected. I'll call the worship team up and I wanna pray for you. Father, I I feel your heart this morning. I I feel your heart for people that might be here with a sense of rejection, Lord. A sense of being discarded, tossed to the side. I, I, I see some people that have been told you can't do this or you should be this, or you'll never blah, blah, blah. And Father, I pray that in Jesus' name, right in this moment, that you would correct those lies in the name of Jesus. You have called them chosen and precious and anointed and set apart for you. For those of us here, Lord, that are struggling to feel chosen, would you Put your arms around them and say, I've chosen you. For those of us here this morning, Lord, that just don't want to submit to your hand of chiseling. Father, we submit to you and we say like David did, search us. Search us, oh God. And see, is there anything in me that doesn't belong? Is there any attitude, any thoughts, any ways of reacting, any defects that do not belong in the kingdom? And would you chisel those out of me, God? Father, for those that are here this morning that feel like they don't quite fit together with their spouse or in relationships, or even in this community as a church, Lord, would you show them that you have created them to fit? And Father, would you bless this place, Lord, that we would be a diverse but unified community that celebrates differences but commits to chiseling individually and together, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.